Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. James 5, beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. As Chuck mentioned, this is the, Lord willing, final um, installment of this study in the book of James. So this is a 12th study, or 12th, 12th uh, time, 12th, 12th week in it. And um, over the last couple weeks, we have been considering the application of heavenly wisdom, um, godly wisdom, into our lives. And um, James was comparing earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom to that which is from God, which comes down from above. And so we looked at the will of Yahweh, the will of the Lord, and we looked at our treatment of others. Today, we want to be looking at the prayer of faith. In this, it brings us full circle back to the very beginning um, when we were considering um, the Father of Lights, as we considered the fact that the Father of Lights is the theme of this book, and that, um, that James was encouraging the, the people back then to be able to pray to the Father of Lights, who is the giver of every morally good and every perfect bestowment, that when they were in troublesome times, count it all joy when you fall into divers' trials, but troublesome times, when you fall into those troublesome times, that if you don't know what to do, you should ask God, who gives to all men liberally. That's exactly right, okay? And, and it should be given to him. But let him not ask um, without believing, but let him ask believing, because God doesn't give it to someone who's double-minded. God will answer the individual who is praying by faith for his intervention in their life. But if you don't really believe that God's going to do it, then it doesn't happen, okay? So he's going to come all the way back now to the same thing in this whole section in uh, James 5. He's going to conclude then with the same thought process of the importance of prayer, okay? And so the first thing we look at um, in this is that to have a prayer of faith, this is a no-brainer, right? To have a prayer of faith, first of all, you need to what? You need to pray. You need to cry out to God. I mean, this is, I mean, I know this is like a, a duh, but, but as some of the testimonies, right? I mean, we get into situations and we what? We forget to pray. We forget to pray. We want to do it all on our, our own. And then all of a sudden, God brings it to our awareness like, hello, I'm here. I know exactly. 
Phyllis, I know exactly where you're at, right? Yeah. And, and, so, and so it's hard because, I mean, I remember sitting in bathrooms doing remodels, and I'm asking my, my Abba, my daddy, to help me out because I know he's the best plumber there is in the universe, right? And so, and he knows it all. And I get into a situation, you know, where I'm working on tile or whatever, and there's a situation going on, and I'm like, Lord, I haven't got a clue what's happening. At that moment, it's a time to pray, okay? So the first thing that happens is we have this exhortation to constant prayer, okay? And so right off in the beginning, what do we read? Is any one of you what? Suffering, okay? What should you do? Pray. Are you cheerful? What should you do? Sing psalms. What are the psalms? Prayers. Praise, prayers, but they're prayers. I mean, honestly, you go through some of them, they're not so much praise. I mean, they're like, whoa, God, you know, God, where are you at? You know, and it's okay, because those psalms, God has allowed the writers of the psalms, David, Asaph, the sons of Korah, and others, to be able to write the way we feel. The way you feel is not evil. It's what you do with it that makes it good or bad. Does it make sense? Okay, so anger isn't a sin. You can be frustrated. It's not a sin. It's what you do with it that makes it the sin, okay? So God wants us to be able to cry out. So if you're suffering, let him pray. Are you cheerful? Sing psalms. Sing psalms, okay? And so we're told in Ephesians chapter 5, 4, that we're supposed to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, making, making melody in our hearts to the Lord, okay? And so when that happens, cry out to God. So if you're suffering, cry out to God. If you're cheerful, cry out to God. If you're sick, what should you do? Ah, this one changes just slightly, doesn't it? What should you do? Call the elders. Call the elders. And what are the elders going to do? Cry out to God. <laughs> so in the end, in the sense, it's still going to happen, right? So um, last night, <clears throat> I didn't have this drainage um, at even 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock yesterday. I, I told Justin we were going to sing in the middle of this message, we were going to sing Ephesians 4 and da-da-da-da. And God said, oh yeah, watch this. And so all of a sudden I start having drainage, and now my voice is gone. It's like, ah, oh, we're not going to do that. But you don't know. So last night, while I'm not sleeping most of the night, what do you think I'm doing? I'm praying. I'm crying out to God. You know, God, give me a voice tomorrow morning. You know, I, I know it's coming down my throat. I can feel the rawness. I feel like it's going away. But let me have a voice in the morning to proclaim your word. And so, but the reality is then the next step would be if I have a sickness that doesn't go away, then what should I do? Call the elders. Can I ask you a question? Don't put up your hand. Don't even say. But when's the last time you called the elders to pray over you? Oh, I don't want to do that. I mean, come on. You know, this is just, this is just, they're going to think. But that's what the Bible says. Okay, and it's going to go even a little bit more detail here in just a moment, okay? So let them pray over him, anointing him with what? Oil. Hmm. When's the last time you saw anybody anoint somebody with oil? I've done it a couple times. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible how I'm supposed to do that. That was always the fun part. So I just take a big old bowl and pour. No, anyway. <laughs> Make sure they're anointed. No. I mean, so what do you do? I mean, you just anoint, you know? So is it the right ear, the right thumb, the right toe? You know, is it just the forehead? He doesn't what? Yeah, he doesn't give us the details. That's not the, the key. The key is what? In the name of the Lord. Say it again? In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. 
that you're doing it in the name of the Lord. There is submission and there is obedience to what God wants us to do. But we want to handle it. Remember, this goes back to the Lord's will thing. We want to handle this what? On our own. I don't need God. I'm an American. I can pull myself up on my own bootstraps. Now you can't. Because as we saw with the, the, the um, will of the Lord as well, we saw that man is what? Finite. The days of man are 70, and if by strength, what? They're 80. Okay? And so that's it. We're limited. We only have so many days on the earth, and then we're going to die. That's a fact. So I'm limited in my power. I'm limited in my days. I'm limited in my knowledge. And so the one that God tells me to turn to is himself. Okay? So, so the exhortation to constant prayer, no matter what is going on in your life, you ought to be what? Praying. You ought to be talking to God. So I want to bring this out a little bit here because, again, who is God to you? Let's assume you're a believer for a moment. Who is God to you? Who should he be to you? Abba. Abba, Daddy. That's exactly what he says. That, that and when the fullness of time had come, he sent Christ to be born of a virgin, to be born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And he placed in us then the spirit which cries out, Abba, Daddy. He's my Daddy. It's tenderness. And my Daddy cares about me. My Daddy loves me. I drove truck back in the beginning of <clears throat> planting the church. I drove a delivery truck. I say truck, people think big truck. No, small truck. Bob's delivery truck. But I didn't have air conditioning in it, and I didn't want to mess up my hair. So, so I, would, I would have my windows closed. You laugh, but it's a true statement. But my guys, my boys, wanted to spend time with Dad. And I got permission from the company that I could have one of my guys go with me each day. And so they would ride with me. In, when I was doing deliveries because they wanted to spend time with Dad. And when they were eight years old, I would take them out hunting. So from the time they were eight to the time they were 12, they, they didn't have a gun. They just had to sit with me so they could learn respect for a gun and all that kind of stuff. But I knew when I started taking them out that I probably wasn't going to see anything right off the bat because they got to have Dad to themselves. And so what did they want to do? Talk. <laughs> Dad, there's deer! Not anymore, son, but that's okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad you saw them. We're, we're, we're moving one step ahead. And so I'd take chess out with us and we'd put it between us. It was a, kind of a quiet game. We'd play chess. But think about that. You want to spend time with daddy. You want to spend time with your dad. If you are a child of God, do you want to spend time with dad? The opportunities to call dad on the phone, if you would. You know, that you always get the hotline, right? Dad, do you know what's going on? Yes, son, I do. I'm watching over you. Dad, but, but, I'm, but I'm hurting right now. Dad, I'm excited. Dad, oh, this is so cool. Thanks, dad. I mean, wow, this is really kind of cool. Dad, I'm not feeling so good right now. That almost sounds, what? blasphemous like you can talk to God as dad but that's what he wants in his word he tells us a couple times to call Maba daddy that's who he is all right so constant prayer but the effect then of fervent prayer there are some requisite traits that we read now in this word in this passage 
So requirements of what we ought to be like if we expect to have powerful, effective prayer. The first one is humility. This is exactly what we saw a couple weeks ago um, when we looked at um, James's polemic against um, worldly, sensual, demonic um, wisdom. And then he gives us this prescription for heavenly wisdom. And it starts off with submitting to the Lord, but then it also culminates in humbling ourselves. And if we humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up, okay? And so this concept of humility is important when it comes to God, okay? That I need to recognize that I am nothing, and he is everything. That's exactly right. I am nothing. He is everything. He is the God of the universe. He created it all. I am so fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, just think about it. every time you get sick, that means something in your body is what? Gone awry. Okay, because he made us perfect, right? And so because of sin in, in, the, in, the, in the world, right, there's the, all those things that come in and, and, and cause our bodies to become sick. Okay, not because you sinned. Sometimes it could be that way. But not necessarily are you sick because you sinned, though. But the reality is because of sin in the world, there is sickness. Okay? And so does God know exactly what's wrong with you? Isn't that amazing to think about? We get into all this nanotechnology, and, and we're breaking down the, the, the atoms and all this kind of stuff, and we're getting into this kind of stuff, and we're just overwhelmed and wowed by this, and God's saying, you ain't seen nothing. Yes, keep going down another layer. Go down another layer. And, or, or we make a, a, a new uh, telescope. The Hubble wasn't good enough, so we had to have what? The James Webb, right? You know what's going to happen. They're going to be able to make one that's what? Stronger than that, and they're going to find even more things out there. Because God's like... I'm going to knock your socks off. Don't ever think you can limit God. Okay? So, so you got to humble. So humble to what? Humble to ask for prayer. So, because he says, he says, so if you then, because he says, um, <clears throat> let them, if, 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 is anyone sick among you, let him what? Call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. So in order for someone to pray over you, you need to what? You need to ask him. That's humility. That's saying, I need help at this moment because I can't handle this on my own. So, but <clears throat> even bigger is what now is stated in the beginning of verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins. So this is the word, um, you can see it up, I got it up, ex homo legeo. Um, so legeo um, is to, to have a, a thought, uh, um, a word. Logos is a word, but it's more like a, a, a philosophy thought process, okay? Um, and so, lego is to say something, to speak something then, okay? Homo is the, the, the same as, so a homosexual is someone who has sex with someone of the same, okay? And so, ek then is out of. So, it's out of saying the same thing. It's an agreement with God. You're saying the same thing about your sin, as God. Not what the world says about your sin. Not what you want to think about your sin, but you're saying in agreement what God says about your sin. So finish the verse. Lying lips are... Ooh, good. Love you. Know it. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Do you consider it an abomination? Or is it just, ah, it's alright. I mean, as long as it's not a really whopper. You lie to a cop, what happens? 
Hunter's not here. But that's okay. You lie to a cop, what happens? You go to jail. You go to jail. Even the world understands morality. But you can lie to one another. No. God says lying lips are an abomination. So confessing your sins to one another, to say it to one another for what it really is, this requires great humility. Why? Because we don't want other people to know that we're what? Sinners. Duh! There's one thing you have in common with everybody else in this room, and everybody else who's in this community, and everybody else who's in this state, and everybody else who's in this country, and everybody else who's in this world. And you, that is, you are a sinner. You're not perfect. You cannot keep the whole law. So to confess that you've messed up is okay. That's what it is. That's why it's easy for me to come up and I can stand and I can say things that I have messed up because I know you have. You can judge me all you want, but it doesn't really matter. Judge not less what? You be judged, okay? And so it's there. So, so Romans 14, verse 11, in, Rome, in Philippians 2, verse 11, is this word, and it talks about, so this is not toward confessing your sins, but what the word means. It says that in the end times, in the last days, every knee is going to bow before Jesus, and they're going to confess him as God. To say in agreement with God who Jesus is. You understand? He's Yahweh. That's who he is. And in, in that day, everybody's going to confess that. Well, that's what that word, confessing your sins, really means. It's a say in agreement. So we have Mark 1, 5. All the people came down to the Jordan where John was a baptizing, right? And so they came down to where John was baptizing, and what did they do? Say again? They confessed their sins. They confessed their sins. Publicly, publicly, they came down to the river and they're publicly admitting, acknowledging before God, and everybody else is standing there, their sins. Acts 19, everybody turn there. We'll come back to that in a moment. I want to read that one. Okay? Um, 1 John 1, 8 to 10, I like to call the spiritual Oreo. Um, it starts off with, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. Verse 9 says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin, and then to cleanse you from all. How much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. Verse 10 says, if you say you have not sinned, you make God a liar, and his word is not in you. So verse 8 and verse 10 says, you are what? Well, a liar, if you say you're not a sinner. It says you're a sinner. And if you say you're not a sinner, you're a liar. Okay? Verse 9, though, gives us the, the, that nice cream middle, right, where... If you confess your sin, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive your sin. Okay, so there's darkness on each side, but you got that, that, that promise of, of, of sweetness in the middle that God is going to cleanse you. Okay, so here in Acts 19, this is what happens then when the gospel comes in Ephesus and people started to, to receive it. They started to understand it and they start to, to believe it. Okay, so we're going to start at verse 13. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I'm going to start at verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the, name, by, by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. <clears throat> 
And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many of those who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic brought out their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted of the value, and it was total 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of Yahweh grew mightily and prevailed. So remember that prevail part. We're going to come back to that in a moment, okay? So the gospel came. They heard the gospel. They were convicted of their sin. And what did they do? Say it again, Shagin. They confess. Where? Publicly. They brought them out publicly and declared their deeds. Okay, so I'm done preaching. You ready? Who's going to start? I'm joking. Yeah. You're a pin drop, right? Okay, think about that. But that's how it's playing out. Okay, they're acknowledging their sins publicly for their neighbors to hear it for others to hear it. And they're talking about the deeds that they're doing in darkness. That's the power of the gospel. To turn from wickedness. To turn unto righteousness. Confessing your sin, to saying with God, what I'm doing is what? It's an abomination. It's a stench in your nostrils. It's abhorrent to you, God. Therefore, it needs to be abhorrent to me. Help me, Father, to see my sin as abhorrent. Help me not to be okay with it. Help me not to justify it. As David said, keep me from presumptuous sins. You're presuming upon the grace of God. You're doing it. Because you know he has, to, he has to forgive you. No, he doesn't. Bah, he will, because he's my Abba, he's my daddy. But I submit to you, if you're starting to treat him like that, maybe he's not. I mean, if you have that close, intimate fellowship with him, it's not how you're going to want to treat him. So you need to think about that. So First John, right, which we just did, verse 8 and verse 10, but in verse Five or six, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If you say you have fellowship with him, and you walk in darkness, you lie, and you do not the truth. Chapter 2 says, he who says he knows him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. It's a struggle, but it's real. Okay, So there's a humility. A humility to be able to ask for prayer, but even more so, a humility to be able to confess your sins before other people. Now, that leads to this concept of unity. Why? Because when someone does that, what should happen? So someone stands up on Sunday, testimony time, and say, I'm living in an adulterous relationship. You can't kick them out. No, exactly. After, after all the, <gasps> right? I'm struggling with homosexuality. I've been a kleptomaniac for 20 years. 
I can't cure my desire for gossip. Do you get it? Someone says it. Now, of those, you might say, oh, well, I, let's handle the gossip one. That's a little bit easier. We can, we can come and pat them up. You know? That one's not as hard as the other ones. But what are you going to do? Sin is what? Sin is sin. That's exactly right. Before God, sin is sin is sin. So someone comes, they commit their sin, they, they, they um, confess their sins to one another, and the Bible then says, so confess your trespasses to one another, and then what? Pray for one another. It doesn't say judge them. It says pray for them. Now there's a part, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul says that he hands over that man to Satan so his flesh will be destroyed but his soul will be saved. But what was the problem in that situation? Does anybody remember that situation in 1 Corinthians 5? What was that guy doing? Say it again. Yeah, it wasn't really incest because it was his father's wife. So in a, from that perspective, biblically, in God's eyes, that would be that. But he was, he was shacking up, if you would, with his father's wife. Okay? And the church wasn't, we'll come back to the rebuking him in a moment at the very end of the message. We'll get there, okay? But the church wasn't trying to hold him accountable. The church was just glorying in the fact that they had all this grace. Okay? And so, but they weren't praying for him. Paul says, dude, you have got to judge this guy. You have got to discipline him. Okay? So his soul will be saved, but his flesh will be destroyed. Second Corinthians then, chapter 3, I think it is, he says, he tells them to restore the guy back. The guy repented. So now bring him back. Make sense? The goal always is restoration. So there's a unity in the church. And so at this point, we were going to sing Ephesians 4, but my voice is gone, so we're not going to do it. But if you remember, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you should walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's the goal for us as an assembly is that we want to be one as he is one, that the world may know that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. When we're one, when we're unified, we bear witness of that. But too many churches are what? They're dividing. Now, if it's, if it's against truth, that makes sense, okay? But they're dividing over the color of the carpet. And that's not holy. So, So unity, to not judge one another, but rather than to pray for one another. Ephesians 6, 18, does anybody know where that that sits? It's right on the heels of what? The armor of God, okay? It is actually the empowerment of the armor of God. So we're told to put on the belt belt of truth, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the the, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the helmet of salvation, the, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. And it says, having done all, though, we ought to what? Pray for one another with all prayer and supplication. Military days, so you guys that have been military, you'll get this, okay? Um, but when you are making a perimeter and you're digging foxholes, generally you're digging a, a two-man foxhole, okay? So you've got a rectangle, and... So I'm picturing myself on the right side because that's exactly where I was years ago in that foxhole okay, when we dug it. Okay? My, when you dug it, where does the dirt go? 
When you're digging a foxhole, where does the dirt go? In front of you. The dirt goes in front of you. It blocks your view. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. It does make a whole lot of sense. It's protection from the front. My job in the right side of this foxhole is to look on an angle that way. I am defending the flank to my right. All those people, if, if the, the enemy comes this way, I'm supposed to be praying over them, if you would. With my rifle, but in, in real, real, reality. But in, 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 spiritual, in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, I'm what? I'm praying over them. I'm watching over them, and I'm praying for them. And everybody looking out the right side is doing the same thing. So everybody down along that side is getting continually prayed for, if you would, from those people. The guy's on the left side of the foxhole, he's looking over this side. What about out in front of me? I'm not worrying, I can't be worrying about myself then. What do I have to do? Good, Mr. Ranger. Rely on my buddy. Not the guy in here, but the guy right there. He's in the next foxhole. And then the guy over there, and the guy over there, and then the guy on the right side over there, and the guy on the right side over there. I'm, I'm trusting that all these other people don't look at them coming right down to Bob and say, what? Oh, that's only Bob's position. No biggie. <laughs> Let him go. But they're praying over me all the time. So we're going to get to the question, how often do you pray for one another? We should confess our sins to one another, not judging one another, but praying for one another. We don't need to wait for someone to be confessing sins to do that. How often do you pray for individuals in this assembly? I challenge you to make yourself a list and try to remember that, okay? To do that, pray for people who are in the assembly. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family members, okay? There's a spiritual war. That was my prayer last night. Lord, this is, I just see this as a spiritual war. So you get the victory. When I'm weak, you are strong, okay? And so then, since I was up a lot during the night, I prayed for a lot of you last night, okay? I mean, just bring to my mind who you want me to pray for, because I'm awake, okay? And so you can do that uh, during the night watches. Faith. So you need to have humility, you need to have unity in order to do this, but then you need to have what? Faith. Faith that what? Faith that God is actually going to do what you ask him to do. And so Mark 9 that's the passage where Jesus had been up on the, the Mount of Transfiguration, and he comes down, and he finds his, his disciples. They're surrounded by a mob, right? They're ready to stone him, because this father had brought his son um, to have a, the demon cast out, but they couldn't do it. And so at that point, they're becoming false prophets because they're not able to do it, right? And so, so Jesus comes down. He says, what's going on? Bring the child to me. So he brings the child, right? And he, and he cast the demon out. The father, though, in the midst of this, the father, when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The father says what? If you are able to, to, to cast him out, please do. Jesus turns it around and says what? It's not whether I'm able. It's whether you believe. It's whether you believe. Because I'm able. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. It's not a matter whether he's able. It's a matter whether you believe. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. That was an unbelieving father. 
who was becoming a believer at the moment, right? That's okay. That's us sometimes. Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and what? It would be done for you. Now, that's not for you to go on wantonly thinking it's all about you. It's about God. But if God wants you to move a mountain into the sea, guess what? You could say to the mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and what? It would be done. Believest thou this? That's from John 11, isn't it? Yeah, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die, and he who dies shall live again. Do you believe this? This is hard. Do you really believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, and that his power, if you would, now this isn't name and claim it, but his power is there for you, because you are his child, and he loves you. So 1 John 5 says, if you ask anything according to his will, you know that he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, then you know that you have that which you have asked for. That's something to think about. You need to believe. Okay? You need to have faith. All right, let's move on. Maybe. The result. So what's the result? We have, it avails much. And so you can see up here, I got multiple versions up here because I looked at... Uh, the word, and, and I thought it was really interesting because it means to prevail, okay? And I thought, well, I wonder what all these other versions put. And so here's what they put. So New King James, we just read it. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The New American Standard, the effective prayer of a righteous man can co- accomplish much. I like that. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's the ESV. The literal version says a very, very strong is a righteous petition being made effective. The Young's literal translation says, very strong is a working supplication of a righteous man. This word means to, to be actively doing something and prevailing in it, to, to have strength, to have power, to have might, and to prevail then over. But it's, a, it's a, not just a um, um, passive. It's actually a, you're, it's an evolved thing that's going on. So back in Acts 19, we saw it twice, but in verse 20, we're told that the word of God did what? The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. When you believe by faith, when faith is being expressed, you open up opportunities for God to do mighty things. Now, does that mean God can't do them if you don't believe? No, he could do them, but he chooses to work through his vessels. When Jesus was in Nazareth, you can go check this out, okay? When Jesus was in Nazareth, how many miracles did he do? None. Why? Because they didn't have faith. They didn't believe. The very city that he was born in, he didn't do any. He walked through the crowd. They wanted to throw him off the, uh, the, the mountainside, and he walked through them. So the question is, do you believe? Are you praying for others? But then secondly, involved in that, do you really believe that God will answer your prayer? If you don't believe, then it's meaningless. The example of earnest prayer then, he goes and he gives us Elijah. And we're told that Elijah was what? He was a man just like us. There was no different. Do you ever like put these guys, these Bible heroes on pedestals? I can't be like that, you know? 
And Elijah's one of those guys. He's like, ah! Now, now, let's be honest, okay? God did do special things through Elijah that he may not do through us, okay? However, Elijah had to what? Believe. He had to believe that God was going to do it. What if God came to you today in an Elijah-type way and said he wanted you to do something? He wanted you to go down to the Savannah River and to strike it, and the river was going to part in two. So that, what did I say? Did I do it right? Okay. And, 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 and go on through. Would you do it? Would you tell all the people you're going to be ready to do it? <laughs> or would you go all by yourself and uh, you know? Three strikes. It's hard. I get it. I, I get where this is, okay? But Elijah was a man just like us. But he believed that God was going to do mighty things through him. So what's the one that's recorded here that he did? Think about this. What, what did he do? Yeah, by his word, it did not rain for three and a half years. And he declared that to the king first. If it doesn't happen, what, what's he? What happens to him? He gets killed, he gets stoned. He held rain off of the entire country of Israel. Now I understand that maybe like, like saying no, no rain in New, New Jersey, but I'll give you even that. You're living in New Jersey, and you say there's not going to be any rain in New Jersey for three and a half years. Think about that. By faith, Elijah believed that God would do what God had declared, and he proclaimed it openly. When did it rain in Israel? At the end of the, the, the um, Mount Carmel, right? with the battle against the, the, the prophets of Baal, right? And so they find out that Yahweh's the true God, and he turns to, to King Ahab and he says, what? You better get down. You better get down fast, because I hear the sound of rain coming. And then he sent his servant to go look for it three times. And finally he says, there's a, there's a, there's a cloud, like the fist of a, fist of a hand. And he says, all right, it's coming. And then he ran. Because once that storm hit, that storm hit. That's the example. I mean, think about that. That's a pretty powerful example. That's a, that's a, a mighty tall order for you and I to stand next to. But that's the example that God gives us of faith. That if God wants, exactly right, yeah. If God wants you to be that individual, and I'm not saying he's gonna, it's going to be you, I get that. But if God wanted it to be you, would you really believe it? Sadly, most of us live this life of, well, we talk about this on Sunday, but then I go out of here and I what? I live my own life and I provide for myself and I do all this other kind of stuff. And so, you know, you know where's God and all that? We need to have the type of prayer that Elijah had. Again, that was built upon a relationship. The prayer of faith leads to our concern for others. This is where it kind of ends. It kind of comes back to this whole thing. 
that it's not just about me. It's about others. And so some people say that these are just kind of two verses just kind of thrown in at the end that James... But I don't think so. He's already said, confess your sins to one another and what? Pray for one another. So I think this is just an application that when I'm praying for you, I'm thinking about you. Does it make sense? If I'm bringing you before the Father's throne, then I'm thinking about you. And I care about you. And I want to challenge you if I feel like God is telling me to do that. And you ought to want to do the same for me. I've said that often enough. If I'm in sin, you ought to challenge me. You ought to hold me accountable. Because there's not a one of us who is sinless here. Right? So, our prayer of faith leads to our concern for others. What's the first part? Well, it requires a knowledge of the truth. Because it says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, how do you know? How do you know? I mean, if you don't know the truth, if you don't know the word, then you don't know whether they what? They wandered away. So the first thing you're going to want to do, if you really want to be one another with everybody in the assembly, is you're going to want to read God's word. This is how it plays out. Again, I suggest you start with the book of Proverbs. Okay? Find, find out all the stuff, all the wisdom that's in the book of Proverbs, and then it starts extending it out, because some of it is just historical and that kind of stuff, and you're just reading how God works. Okay? But Proverbs is one that deals with morality and all that kind of stuff, decisions that we should make, wisdom. Okay? But if you really want to do this, not according to your opinion, but according to truth, then you want to know his word. And so we're told in Ephesians 4 that part of unity is that we are speaking the truth in love with one another and that the whole body is coming together to do its part together. Okay, And you can go back and you can read that. But the whole body is coming together to do its part. But in that then, we are speaking the truth in love to one another. Okay, We'll come back to that verse a couple times here. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.15. Is anybody old enough to, from the Iwana days to tell me that one? Caleb, do you remember it? You're old enough to remember it. No pressure. Study? Good job. Yeah, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that he's not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you want to be a workman that's approved unto God, you need to know how to what? Rightly divide his word, okay? 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, what's that verse tell me? Verse is, that the word of God is what? It's, it's given by the, the breath of God. For what purpose? What's verse 17 tell me? What's the purpose of God giving us, breathing his word to us? Good, okay, to be equipped. Go ahead and say it, Mark. Good, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, okay? That, that every man is, we're equipped before God to be able to do these things, okay? So God gives me his word so I can know truth, okay? So I can be involved in the lives of others. So I need to do that. Secondly, I need to have a love for somebody else because I got to get involved in their life. You can look at somebody going down the, the path and you can kind of let them go. So this morning when you walked in, sorry for those who are visitors. I'm going to put you on the spot for a moment. We have visitors today. So did you look around to see if you had visitors? Because you're the, the host. 
I know you say, oh, I, I, got, I got here late. Well, you're the host. You should get here early. Do you look around for other people and, and concern for them to see how you can minister to one another? One of the ways we do that on a Sunday is that we're getting here early and we're ministering to visitors who come to be, to be with us, okay? And so it's always sad for me when visitors are earlier um, than the people who are here. And the visitors have to be the one who do the greeting and, and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird, kind of warped. So, so think about that. So in the same thing in the church, okay? So if someone in the body is struggling, and you know it, whether or not they have confessed it, okay? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go and get involved in their life. I'm supposed to, to bring the truth into their life with a desire to turn them back, to bring restoration. Does that make sense? So, Again, Ephesians 4, 11, 16, it's there, okay? And then Proverbs 10, 12 says that um, love covers a multitude of sins, okay? And then finally, it requires a boldness to speak. Lovingly confrontational. Not many of us are lovingly confrontational. That's very hard. We don't like confrontation. Because confrontation means that someone may not like me anymore. And I want everybody to what? Like me. And yet, if I really loved them, if I really loved my neighbor as myself, then I would want them to know that they're walking in sin and that their relationship with the Father is being inhibited. That's ultimately it. I'm not doing this to bang you over the head. I'm not doing this to get you in trouble. That's where you got to work it with your kids, right? Because your kids come and they what? They tattle. And when they tattle, what are they really wanting to do? Get the other one in trouble. Yeah, I don't know where they came from, but yes, exactly right, okay? And so that's exactly right. And they want to see this spanking going on. So the word says that that actually should apply to the one who's done it. So in my house, it was if you're trying to get somebody else a spanking, guess what? You get the spanking. Okay. Now, I'll still deal with the other issue, but if you're doing something, if you're not going and helping your brother or your sister in that situation, right, to, to, to come back to Christ, if you're just trying to get them in trouble, then you're going to get their spanking. Say again? Yeah. Stitches get stitches. Yeah. So you got to be careful with the law, you know, the, the eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But the reality is you're teaching a lesson, and that is, you should want to see the person restored, not getting judged. Too many times, we want to see people get judged. Even if we are doing the same thing, we're just getting away with it. So, in the end, how would you describe your prayer life? Even more importantly, Using your prayer life as a gauge, how would God or you describe your relationship to God? So if prayer is communication to God, and it's you talking to your dad, what does your prayer life look like with your father? What does your communication look like with your father? Are you a faithful friend? In that, are you faithful to pray for others and hold them accountable and to cover their sins? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, help us to, um, to be humble.
Help us to be willing to confess our sins to one another. Lord, trusting you that what you're doing in this assembly. Help us to pray for one another, Lord. Help us to, to pray over one another. Help us to recognize the spiritual war that we're in. Forgive us, Lord, for the amount of time that we don't spend in prayer. Help us to be people who are praying without ceasing and giving you thanks and glory for all that you do. Help us, Lord, to be a praying church, a church that believes by faith that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, and that you will do it because you want to be glorified through us. In Christ's name, amen.